Stuart Mooney. Stuart is a really longtime oneness being, I would say. He's a oneness blessing giver, um, and also he is somebody who's been very, very active in getting the message of oneness out, not only in his local area of Santa Barbara, but really right now all over the country and all over the world through conferences and Skype calls. So welcome, Stuart. I'm so glad to have you with us today. Thanks, Patricia. It's uh, a blessing to be here today. One of the things, I know that those of us who've been in in the oneness movement for a while um, have our own understanding of what we mean when we're talking about awakening and this process of awakening, which keeps being uh, more and more deepened as the time accelerates toward 2012. And I wonder if you would be willing to explain your experience of this uh, to an audience who might really not understand what we mean when we say awakening, uh, to just give us your perspective of what this experience of awakening is. Okay, I'd be happy to. Uh, First of all, um, my perception of awakening um, comes from um, a rich background of spending 40 years on the path with uh, various teachers around the world, uh, which is both an asset and a liability. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, when it comes to understanding it, because there's a very great difference between um, the understandings of awakening that we get from books and the actual fact, the actual experience of the awakened state, uh, which is lived uh, 24-7. And in fact... um, What it has to do with is um, the way that the mind seems to perceive things. And basically, the mind perceives things from a a frame of reference, which is basically that there's a a core I who lives inside this body. And this core I is pitted against um, the world. Oh, goodness. (laughs) And, and, and that there's a, there's a there's a separation between you and I, mm-hmm. and uh, um, ourselves and everything else. There are everything is seen as a fragment, a bunch of fragments, mm-hmm. and there this creates this um, kind of an emptiness, a, a loneliness of experience mm-hmm. because we feel isolated and alone, and also that makes us kind of pathologically crazy. Um, in in the way we deal with this uh, this feeling of separation, because we compensate for it by finding all kinds of uh, uh, wonderful devices like seventy two inch big screens and uh, Starbucks, my favorite. That's my personal favorite too. <laughs> Chocolate and Starbucks. Mm. Having given up the wine several decades ago, but you know, it all is relative, I guess. So, so we end up creating these uh, substitutes outside of ourselves in our environment to fill the emptiness inside. And um, this experience, this experience of this sense of I, this sense of a personal I, who we're in charge of makes us feel like we can manage this life, like we're in control of this life. And it also kind of skews 
experience and skews it from what? Well, here's the experience on the other side of that, which is the awakened experience. And the awakened experience is that the I doesn't actually exist. And that what exists are a set of processes, a set of uh, processes, for instance, I'm thinking thoughts, my mouth is wagging and sound <laughs> are, are coming out and they're, they're going across, uh, you know, and they're being transmitted through uh, the DSL cable and it's ending up uh, going out to all these people being transmitted. All of this process is a bunch of processes. There's no actual organizing figure behind it, like the great and powerful Wizard of Oz. Mm. There's not the great and powerful Wizard of Stu <laughs> behind the curtain actually operating and managing Stu. Now, I was totally convinced my entire life that <laughs> Stu actually existed, and as long as I was con uh, convinced that Stu existed, my life was a living hell. Because I felt responsible for every action I did, and uh, I felt that every act had to be measured, and that every everything outside of my body was a threat to me. And what what happens is that there's a shift in experience that has nothing to do with thinking. It has to do with the experience and with feeling. What happens is that the senses awaken. Uh, Jesus would say you have to be innocent like a child to enter the gates of heaven. That childlike innocence where we were experiencing without having to explain things is what seems to happen. There is a shift in experience that goes on in the brain that basically eliminates the I sense and the sense of separation between myself and everything in my world. Mm -hmm. It just vanishes. When that vanishes, then you and the world are one. Mm -hmm. But to explain it to the mind when we're still in the mind, the mind is a comparison machine. Mm -hmm. So it can do nothing but say, okay, I'm going to think I am one with the universe, but in order for it to think it, it has to compare itself against I am many. So neither of them are valid. Mm -hmm. And what you find out is that awakening, and awakening is a neurophysiologic shift in the way that the brain experiences life, that that neurologic, neurophysiologic shift transforms how you see your world. And all these saints throughout history have been describing the same experience, no matter what the tradition is. They would express it, of course, in their own terms, through their own nervous systems, but they were expressing a singular experience. But as soon as you write these experiences down, you're writing it down in a language built on the I sense, where every sentence starts with I, has an action verb and ends with an object. So you're trying to explain something which does not contain an I sense, a subject or an object, but just the process, just the verb part mm. is experienced and it's, it's virtually impossible to express it. And so what you have are all these beautiful writings of all these great saints, but these writings expressed a truth that cannot be understood by the mind. That's why they'd always hedge. And like, if you look, read Vedic literature, it'll say, uh, the, it will describe this experience as the one without a second. Mm -hmm. You know, something that's inexpressible, because it is. What it is, is the capacity to sense life in each moment without the interference of the mind. Beautiful. So it's sensing without making sense. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Without, it's like, I, I remember in India, you know, they were talking about the idea of being able to see a rose. 
and to just see it without having the mind give you all the comments about what type of rose it is and where it would grow right in your garden or not grow right in your garden or just smell a rose and just be in the fragrance of it without that chatter which we don't even think that we're chattering but it's going on kind of underneath all the time the mind has got something to say about everything it appears yeah there's a there's a process that happens from about 18 months old and it's called the reflective mind and basically that's the aspect of the mind that creates stories and those stories are actually biochemical stories. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a, um, a chemical substrate for everything that we think through our lives, and it gets deposited, particularly those things that are stressful. They get deposited along our neurophysiology, our neuroanatomy, our neural networks. And these things accumulate over time, these stressors. They're, they're physical. And these stressors, what they do over time is they impede the flow of information. So they restrict the amount of data each second that passes through. Normally, if all the senses were wide open, we'd be taking in about 40 million bits per second of data through our senses. But by the time it gets to the brain, it gets gated out and and gets restricted by all these biochemical signatures from our past we actually only take in about 2,000 of the 40 million bits, and that's what we operate from. Wow. And that's this well-known in neurophysiology, that we gate out a tremendous amount of information. Mm-hmm. Now, as a child, we didn't do that, particularly before 18 months, when my granddaughter Veda, she looks at a, a rose, uh, there's no story with it, because mm-hmm. she's very, very young, And the rose is just a rose. It's just a thing. It doesn't even have a name. And in fact, her experience mechanism still, the rose and her body and her experience, the rose is Veda. Mm -hmm. So there's no separation. And all of the the truth of the rose, which is nonverbal, comes through to her. Mm. What we end up living is we end up living a life of symbols. The beauty of awakening is, is awakening to the child that's already inside us, who's always been there, who's been there since our birth. And when you get awakened, the first thing you, you, you look around and you go, oh my God, this has always been here, why didn't I see it? Mm. Because it's the most intimate truth of who we are. That's why, that's why it's, it's the underpinning, it's the basis that all experience is built on. And when, when that gets realized as an adult, then you have the full range of possibilities available to you in, in each moment that, that then you can live. You're now fully conscious of what life actually is, what the truth of life is. And there's no more need then to run away from this moment, to pacify it, to rationalize it. What happens is that you experience the moment just as it is, without resistance ever again. Mm. Beautiful. I'm just experiencing the moment with you here. It's So, Stuart, you, um, you are awakened and... and I know that it is a process that continues, uh, and yet I'm sure for our listeners, uh, they would be very curious about that um, that moment when it went from unawakened to awakened for you. Um, was it a back and forth kind of experience? Was it a one-time thing that that has not really ever gone back to the other state of duality. Could you give us some insight into your experience of that? Okay. Um, I, I usually tell this, this story, although the, really the truth of awakening is that if you ask most people when they awaken, they couldn't identify mm-hmm. when it was. But for me, it happened this way. In 2006, I went to become a oneness blessing giver. I went to India and took a 21-day course. And um, I went with um, a lot of um, people who had been 
through similar experiences to my own who had been on the path a long, long time. And we had a, a room full of, of um, 80 very wise guys in, in India. And we were all bragging about all the gurus we'd been through and bragging about all the courses we'd been on, about all the handshakes all the gurus had given us and all that. You know, we were telling our spiritual big fish stories. Right. And then uh, these uh, little monks came in from oneness and uh, uh, sat down and looked at us and they said, uh, you guys all look miserable. <laughs> That's how they started. <laughs> they said, let me guess. They said, you've been on the path forever. You spent every penny you ever had to get here. You're here because this is your last hope and your last chance to get enlightened. And he said, well, I hate to break it to you, but there's no such thing as enlightenment. You invented it. You made it up yourself. There's no such thing as it, and uh, you've wasted your whole life on nothing. And that was the beginning of our course. Beautiful. And it all went downhill from there. And so by the end of the 21 days, um, even all the, all the smart guys were getting to the point where this was getting really, really depressing because we were seeing um, that our, our minds had, had really created and invented everything. And finally, on the last day, some, our, our smartest guy in the back with the most book learning was, uh, was challenging the monks. And he was saying, but you know, I am the witness of the witness, witnessing the witness, witnessing myself thinking. And the little monk bent over to the mic and he said, your mind made that up. And he goes, no, no, no. I knew you were going to say that. And I witnessed myself, witnessing myself, witnessing the witness, witnessing myself saying that. Your mind made that up as well. And it became horribly clear to me of a truth. And I remember leaping up in the middle of the crowd and going, oh my God, oh my God, you can't get out of the mind ever, can you? Aww. And the monks turned to me and they said, right. And I went, oh my God. And then, then they leaned over and they said, do you surrender? Do you admit defeat? Do you see that your mind has completely fooled you and that you've completely wasted your time, and that you've even invented enlightenment. And I went through a giant meltdown. It was not a pretty sight. Mm -hmm. And my, my brain kind of imploded, and I remember weaving out of the, the, the hall into the Indian heat and going to my room and laying down on my bunk, thinking I was never going to even get up from it again, because I was devastated. But what I realized as I was laying there, that I felt incredibly quiet, incredibly silent inside. Because I had realized that, well, gee, if this is completely impossible and futile, what am I wasting my time on? And what happened was the seeker vanished. And when the seeker vanished, what was left was silence, infinite silence. And in that infinite silence, I saw through the eyes that I was born with. And I saw the beauty of simple things like the room I was in. And I walked outside and it was like looking at the grass for the first time. And even the noisy cement mixer sounded like beautiful singing and everything was alive. It was like seeing life, seeing things alive for the first time. And that is when the shift took place. And that shift, even though there was some movement back and forth, the shift was permanent. So um, that, that's mine. And everybody I've talked to, all the awakened people and there's lots of them now. 
um, have a different version of that story. You know, if you ask Jesse or Alina or, or one of the others, you know, Annette or, or somebody, they'll all give you kind of a, a different twist, but it's a, a similar story um, that, that there just was this beautiful, amazing shift into silence. Beautiful. Well, we need to take a break here, Stu, and we'll be back with our listeners in just a moment. You're listening to The Oneness Program, and this is Reverend Dr. Patricia Keel here with Stuart Mooney. We'll be back with just a moment. So we're back, Stuart. Thank you so much for sharing about your experience of the initial awakening process and and I know one of the things that they were sharing with us in India when I was there at the deepening process and it keeps being reiterated is this this knowing that this is a process and that there are experiences of, of that are up and down for people as they move into these deeper states of awakening you are at a place right now where you are what they would call fully awakened and yet right now on the planet there are many 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 people who are moving into the state of awakening which Bhagwan has defined as suffering less than 30 minutes <laughs> when a charge comes up and I know for some people that would be just an extraordinary thing because a lot of people suffer for not lifetimes over particular issues that that just keep returning and you know it really ties in with what you were saying about the 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 biology of it all when we get something that goes into our neurobiology and just stays there and in the body as well as in the mind if we don't do something if nothing happens um, to really make a shift then that thing's going to get triggered on and on and on and on and on until something happens so what's been um, you've been traveling with a lot of people going to these intensives what's been your experience of seeing uh, in the last maybe six months of the transformation that's been happening here in the oneness community and the people that are having these uh, early stages of awakening yeah that that has been such a blessing that has been such a blessing to me to be able to witness the transformation of large numbers of people into awakened states and um, starting from the LA event in last November and watching the growth of people as they naturally transform through awakened states into more and more permanent states of awakening, classic awakening. And it seems to come like a thief in the night. It seems to be a very, very natural process where people, first of all, notice that they're reacting less often um, to things that used to annoy or irritate or make them angry or make them depressed. The degree of reaction is not as great. And also the length of the response to the, the stressor, whatever it is, seems to diminish over time so that there's less and less time spent reacting to something. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, and it seems to be this very beautiful natural process that takes place. Now, for some people, um, they go through a stage where they become very, very sensitive to all their stressors. So, you know, people have, uh, um, let's say, more uneasiness with their life because they're becoming more and more aware of what's always been there. Mm-hmm. And because uh, the, the oneness blessing is like a double-edged sword. You know, <laughs> it, it puts the light of God on you, which is very, very beautiful and feels wonderful, but also that light shows you who's there. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't want to see who's there. But the truth is, is that unless we see and feel and accept who it is who's always been there, we can't 
really come to God. Because this is the way God made us. God made me just the way I am. I am me. This is who I am. I cannot be anything but this. And this is the way the, the divine has designed my nervous system to blend into this world. I merge perfectly with it because my good points and bad points fit perfectly with everybody else's. And they make the dance of life, the overall dance of life, work in a very harmonious manner. And it is beautiful to have gone to all these intensives and seen thousands and thousands of people and see them grow and also see them go through these shifts. It's so dramatic when you're, uh, for instance, in, in, uh, in Texas, in, uh, in, in Houston at the intensive, to see uh, guys walking in with cowboy boots going up to... Um, a photo of Aman Bhagwan, the Srimurti, touching it and, and getting this transformation where they say, oh, I'm not my thoughts, am I? I'm not what's happening to me. And, and these are these normal, laid-back Texans just going through this fantastically beautiful experience. And because they're so innocent about it, it just radiates off them, and they their their descriptions are not like peppered th with uh, you know preconceived notions of what the experience is supposed to be like. So the innocence of their descriptions just comes out, and I I've, I've noticed this all over the country, whether it was in Newark or or my friends in Wichita, everywhere, uh, Vancouver, everybody going into and through these experiences seems to go in a natural, gradual journey. And that journey obviously has to do with two things. One is, is an objective change in the way that the brain is processing information. And the second thing is that on a subtle level, the, uh, the, the people in the Far East would say it's the Kundalini. It's a very subtle energy which, which underlies the structure and function of the nervous system. And as that kundalini energy rises up, it has a tendency to rise up, but the nervous system isn't quite strong enough to maintain it up all the time, and it'll fall back. And that's why you have people come into awakening or awakened states, maintain it for a while, but the nervous system won't be able to quite maintain it yet, and it'll drop down again. So it's kind of like this story in India where they talk about dyeing a cloth. And the way they dye a cloth in India is they dip cloth into a dye and then they hold it up to the sun and the sun fades it. And then they dip it again in the dye, hold it up to the sun, and the sun fades it less and less and less each time it's dipped and held up to the sun until it's color fast. And similarly, that's how the kundalini is cultured to rise up until it's capable of maintaining that state 24-7. Beautiful. I hadn't heard that story about the dye. That's quite extraordinary. We just had a, a, a bhakti yoga here in San Francisco with 21 trainers uh, on all day Saturday, and it was just extraordinary, the levels of energy in the room with all the participants. It was really beautiful. So I, I really can feel what you're saying when you're talking about the kundalini energy um, and, and beginning to know how powerful it is to really, uh, for, for people who are working with these energies, to really become aware of the breath and really focusing just in that place of breath awareness and connecting that with kundalini. Um, one of the things I just wanted to cycle back with you, Stu, was so many people, I mean, I'm a unity minister, and, you know, I've had a church in Berkeley for a number of years and been involved in unity, uh, and, and the teachings are very in alignment with oneness, and it's one of the reasons I think the Houston event you were in was at a unity church. Um, yeah. 
but there's there's so often this perception that we need to somehow change who we are you know in order we need to make ourselves more positive in our thought forms we need to somehow alter the way we're showing up in the world we need to not be judgmental we need to you know we need to stop doing some of these things that are causing a distress in our relationships and yet what you were saying and what i've come to know is this quality of acceptance is so much a part of the process of awakening and such a uh, a powerful deep understanding about how god made us um, and I, I would love it if you'd speak a little bit more to that of uh, the quality of acceptance in this process of awakening yeah it's a it's a real it's a fundamental issue and first of all, let's go back to, to the mind itself. The mind is a machine of becoming. So it always has to, it's, an, it's always miserable about where it is. In fact, in India, the yogis have a name for it. They, they call the mind the miser miserable child of God. <laughs> Mind's the miserable child of God. And that kind of says it all because it it's it's a it's a machine of always becoming. It's never happy. I mean, think of the best experience you ever had in your life, the ultimate. And and then you know what happens is that the next thought is, well, where can I get some more, and can we do it again? And and it's it's always it's it's never satisfied. I mean, there's never a moment when it says, yes, that's it. You score. This was the best. I'm satisfied. Mm -hmm. and, and what you find out in this state, it's because it has a vested interest. Its own survival, mind's own survival inside us, has to do with it being employed to get us somewhere other than where we already are. And self-realization is the realization of who's already here. And so the whole process of attempting to become something better, more beautiful, richer, more fulfilling, more spiritual, one more course, <laughs> is all a complete waste of time. And it's, it's only the source of suffering. We suffer because nobody's content with where they are. Well, where you are is the temple of God. This is what God's temple looks like for you in this moment. It looks like this and feels like this. There's nothing wrong with what you're feeling now. What you're feeling is the palette of the painting of you in the eyes of God, the artist. This is who you are now. This is how you feel now. That's the authentic you. So acceptance has to do with calling a spade a spade. Everybody on earth is living a lie. That's why we're in such a terrible fix. Everybody's trying to be something they obviously will never be and can't be. Okay? But what everybody is, is who they already are. And if everybody was okay with who they already are, wow. then you wouldn't have to go and do anything. And, you know, the big screen companies would be out of business. They would be. You know, what would happen to the bars? <laughs> we got to keep this economy rolling. It's... It's, it's such a misnomer, and it all has to do with being sold from the time we're very, very young that you have to not be content with who's here. That who's here is somehow flawed or wrong or, or broken and needs fixed, and you're smart enough to fix it. Right? Yeah, you know, yeah. this is the goofy thing. I, I'm 63, and, and, and for, for 60 years, I listened to this mind tell me, trust me, this time I got it right. Trust me, this time. Mm -hmm. And for 60 years, its batting average was zero. zero. <laughs> right? It never scored a run. <laughs> and yet, we, you know, sure. we treat the mind like it's the holy grail. Holy grail. It's a waste of time. It's a sweet thing. I love the mind. I love it. Mm -hmm. But it, I, I love it like I love 
my old granny who talks a lot. And you just give her a, a lot of big hugs, but you don't pay much attention to her. You know, it's 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 really old. You it's know? an old mind. It's yeah, it's on social security. <laughs> it's on social security. <laughs> you know, Medicare. And and what's what's happening? Let's give it some respect. So I want to put the mind in perspective, real quick. The mind, long ago, like tens of thousands of years ago, the mind operated in the light of God, the light of the divine. So the 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 choices that were made were more like instinct. We knew right from wrong. We knew how to make choices without a logical mind. We knew intuitively what the divine wanted in each moment. And trust me, the divine has no idea what logic is. It does not know logic. Mm -hmm. It operates on a much higher form of knowingness that's way beyond logic. So, so this light of God was there at the, at the start. But what happened was was basically this light of God diminished over time. There was less light, there was less divinity, and the frame of reference that the mind was operating in became less clear until it got to the point where the mind thought it was the originator, it was God. And that's when all hell broke loose. Okay? You could see it another way. See it in, in, the, in Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Mm -hmm. So what happens is that they eat the fruit from the tree of knowledge. They take a bite and they get knowledge. And they're thrown out because that's the original sin. See, before that, all Adam and Eve did was experience. Just experience. But what happened is they try to understand their experience. And as soon as you try and understand your experience, subject and object are created. Separation is created. There you go. There you go. And a whole <laughs> list of problems. That's the original sin. Original sin there. Well, this would be a beautiful time in our oneness program to ask you, Stu, if you would lead us in a oneness blessing. And I, I, I loved your impassioned awareness and call to awakening for all of us that was to accept who we are, the, the, the all of the who. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, you know the Horton here's a who that you know that that all part of the what that is the I am uh, and so if you would do that now to lead our listeners all of us in a oneness blessing and for those of you who are tuned in for the first time to the oneness program know that there's nothing that you need to do if you're able to in the physical body to sit down and to relax uh, and to close your eyes that's beautiful if you happen to be driving in your car or you're going about your day and you're moving about just know that the blessing will find you you do not need to uh, do anything uh, so I would ask you now Stu if you would do, do that and lead us in a oneness blessing okay so those of you who are not driving if you could close your eyes and imagine or visualize a beautiful golden ball of light, a golden ball of liquid light, just above your heads, above the crown of your heads. And that golden ball of light contains all the intelligence necessary for your full awakening. Visualize it. Now, visualize that golden light now pouring through your crown and pouring into your body and filling you with this liquid, golden, beautiful light, the light of the divine. It's the light of God, and it's filling you right now. Have it fill your entire body from head to toe, and sit in that golden light, and we're going to allow the intelligence 
of the entire universe to pour through you and organize you so that you can experience your full awakening. Allow that presence to be there and we'll sit in silence now. Thanks for the power and the grace of the oneness blessing. I invite you to bring your awareness back to open your eyes and you're listening to the oneness program. This is Patricia Keel and I'm here with Stuart Mooney. Stuart, I I know that you have uh, a website and you have a book which I bought at the uh, one of the retreats down in LA. I'm not sure if it was the trainers or the other one, and read it and gave it away um, <laughs> to somebody because it was so great. I just thought it was fabulous. But I know that your your website is a really great website because it, and it's StuartMooney.com, I believe, right? Yes, it is. Okay. Yes. And your book is called American Buddha, which is fabulous. And I, I googled American Buddha, and I guess somebody's making clothing called American Buddha. So you know, right. you're very in alignment with somebody who's doing something, making a lot of money. Uh-huh, um, of course. But it's a it's an incredible book, and I love the way it's written because it's it kind of it, when I was reading it, I felt like you know it yeah. was the divine talking to me, kind of answering some of the questions that were unfolding inside of me that I didn't know I needed to ask. And um, it's it's a very extraordinary book. And people can go on your website, stuartmooney.com. It's S-T-U-A-R-T-M-O-O-N-E-Y.com. And they can, they can purchase the book. There's also a couple of great DVDs that you have um, that are recordings of you talking about your experience of enlightenment. I think there's a... Um, also, one of the things that I love is that you have the Nyana Diksha. Could you explain to people what that is? Because I think that's something that's kind of unusual to the Indian culture, but it's right available for people if they go to your website. Yeah, um, I was initiated into that a long time ago. Well, not a long time ago, 2002. And uh, when I lived in India and taught for teachers in South India. And so I gave that... Uh, type of Diksha to thousands of people. And what it is basically is that that grace or this organizing intelligence or presence that Sri Bhagavan and Sri Yama speak about um, is, is transmittable between people and it always has been here. And one of the original ways that it was transmitted between um, people, between a teacher and student, was it was transmitted directly through the eyes because if you think about it the eyes are a significant part of the brain Uh, they're linked to the whole visual cortex and if say the brain of one person the teacher is completely silent then the student's eyes and the student's brain will have a tendency to entrain to the silence in the teacher and, and what happens is that the grace or this organizing intelligence is passed directly through the eyes. And when it's transmitted through the eyes of, uh, of somebody who's awakened, there's no doing on the part of the awakened person at all. First, you have to understand, I'm not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I'm not doing anything and it's completely dead silent, then the grace has an opportunity to fully express itself through through the eyes and 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 transmit 
and produce a, a change in the nervous system of, uh, of the recipient. And this is a very, very old knowledge. It's actually the original way that presence was passed between teacher and student in India, so it's thousands and thousands of years old. Um, and now there's enough grace in the atmosphere that uh, the capacity to transmit it uh, is available again. And if somebody is transmitting it and, say, a photograph is taken, it has a tendency to remain um, alive in the photograph. So that's why you can sit in front of the Sri Murti, say, of Sri Yama and Sri Bhagwan, and, and they have taken a, a huge intention in that photograph, and there's an enormous amount of power that will transmit through it. So that is a, a little bit about this form of diksha, but, you know, you can, it can be transmitted many, many different ways. It's being transmitted through the voice here, um, and it will entrain through the, your auditory cortex. Um, it will, you'll have more silence in your awareness just by, by listening to the voice. Absolutely. I know that experience. Actually, I, I was at the trainer conference and you were standing there. I can remember you standing there when we were pouring milk on the uh, padukas. And I got entrained to Bhagwan's eyes and had a most profound experience. Uh, this was before I went to the deepening. And we spent a week actually doing Jnana Diksha in the temple with the Srimurtis. It was an, it's an extraordinary experience. So those of you who are listening, who may be curious and wonder what we're talking about, you can have uh, an opportunity to experience this with Stuart on his website. Again, at stuartmooney.com, and you can see where this is available for you to just um, experience uh, the blessing. In addition to that, Stuart, you have a couple other things you offer. Um, would you like to share any of those with, with our listeners? Okay, well, in terms of, of products, you, you mentioned that I do have uh, some DVDs uh, taken from my workshops where I go vertical into the um, experience of awakening and enlightenment. And I think those are, those are, are pretty powerful, pretty good. And then also I, um, I see clients privately. Um, my wife and I have an office here in Santa Barbara. And uh, also, I do um, a lot of work with clients on video Skype around the world. And so, uh, that's a very powerful medium. Uh, video transmits grace very, very efficiently. So, I love doing that also. Beautiful. Well, it's so. It, this is what's so beautiful because having these awakened people who are in our midst like you, Stuart, and... It gives us an opportunity to connect with this grace in so many different vehicles, through so many different vehicles, through the voice, as you say, through the web, through these DVDs, um, through Skype. And so somebody can be in Kansas City or they can be in British Columbia or they can be listening to this program in uh, Brazil and they can connect with you. And so we want to make sure that people have that uh, information and awareness. We'll also be putting that on the onenessprogram.com website so that you can find those links for yourself as well. So thank you so much for that. Um, I'm just wondering, we have maybe another 10 minutes or so in terms of our time together. And I'm wondering if you could reflect what what is what is your experience right now i know the energies have really increased um, through since february february 11th and things are we're hearing more about the mayan calendar and what's happening with the mayan calendar in this ninth wave of the mayan calendar what are your experiences now in terms of the states that you're going through and also that other people uh, in our world are experiencing Okay. First, I'd like to, to say something as a clarification. <clears throat> I don't really care about me at all. I know you a, don't. <laughs> okay. And I, I, I'm really not, you know, interested in, in, in promoting me personally, per se. But, but the experience is something 
that everyone on earth should have because it'll make all the difference in your life. And, and if I can help anybody to awaken, I want to do it. And I'm in service of Sri Yama and Sri Bhagawan to help that happen because they're really doing it. I mean, I have to step back and go, oh, my God, this is real. Yeah. You know, um, I, I've been 40 years with masters who have, have promised these things, but, but this, they're actually, I'm and Bhagwan are actually doing it, and I'm going to have to get to the point where, where I, I really accept internally that, oh, my God, this is really happening. This is happening to people I've met. It's happened to my friends, people who are close to me, and, and it's happening more and more, and I'm just in shock over the whole thing. And, and this is just the beginning. The power hasn't been amped up near as much as it will be. And as this continues to amp up, there's no way of avoiding going through the shift. It's going to shift the brain and the nervous system, and more and more people are going to share this state. The one thing the people who have shifted in early n know is that we're all one person. If you get in a room with fully <laughs> awakened people, we don't, there is no time necessary to get to know the other person at all. Zero. Zero. And, and, and you can see how when you have large groups of people in this state, how much harmony this world will have. Because it's as though there's just the one. There's the one person, and yet you have all the uniqueness of the different expressions of that one going on. It's really fantastic. I love that, and I can see this transformation taking place globally. It's happening. We're watching this evolve and manifest itself right in front of us, and we can see that we were born not by some happenstance, that we were born now because we've worked very hard to get here to be able to share this experience with our families and loved ones and, and with everybody because it's all one person. And the true awakening is the awakening of humanity, of the archetypal human consciousness. That's when real awakening will take place. Beautiful. Beautiful. You know, as as you're talking about this, Stuart, I just it just it brings me to tears because it's so incredibly powerful. Yeah. And and, and it's so real. It's yes. and it it's a phenomena that that it, it just it is. And people you can talk about it and people look at you <laughs> like Okay, what's she saying? But there's something going on here that it, people get entrained to something, and you know, I, it, I'm speechless about it. <laughs> but but yet, when you when you were just saying what you were saying about the number of people and you know being in a room with awakened people and you're, it's you're one person and yet there's this diversity and this beauty of each individual, it, it it's just what is and it's what's unfolding and it's the reason that I somebody told me to do this radio station and I'm just trying to keep catch up to the energy that's pulling all of us in this to this state of oneness so I'm just really grateful for your um, for your presence and for your the gift that you're willing to share by offering these opportunities for people to connect with the you that's not wanting the connection because I get what you're saying it's not about you at all it's yeah. totally, totally get it um, and yet you're there and available to do this as as it is being called forth um, in the universe right now it's so extraordinary so just as we have a time now at the very end of our, our show I, I just really feel like we need to offer one more blessing to people and and I'm going to 
put in a, a pitch for people to listen to the um, the show that has the awaken that has you and Lana and Jesse and Annette on it, where you do your meditation that's called the Acid Trip, because that was such an adventure and so much fun. And we don't have time to do it on our show now. So I'm going to call attention to that, and I'll make sure I get the link for everybody on the onenessprogram.com show. Because yeah. uh, that's a trippy thing to do. Head first into the center of the universe. <laughs> what a wow. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you if you'd lead us in one more blessing, and we'll close our show with that. I think it would be beautiful. Okay. So this time we're going to put our attention in the heart. We're going to visualize a golden ball of light in the heart. And each of us believes in something very, very powerful, a divine being who helps guide us, a teacher or some, some spiritual form, a deity. Put that form in the middle of the golden ball in your heart and allow that golden light to spread through your whole body and spread out and spread out from the room you're in to fill the house or building you're in and out through your community and wrap it around your state and around your country and have it wrap around the world and expand out into space through our solar system, through the Milky Way, through the myriad of galaxies, to the outer edges of the universe. You are that light from the center of your heart to the outermost edges of the universe. You are that. Experience it. you are his total divinity we close our program today again you're listening to the oneness program this is patricia keel and i'm so grateful to have had an opportunity to be with you Stuart mooney and thank you we're grateful for your presence for the light that you share with us thank you so namaste everyone